It's great to see you all. It's so good to be together again, uh, Purpose Church. So wonderful to be back together. Hey, we survived another week. We're just going to take this day in, day out, one day at a time, one week at a time, and we're going to get through this with God's help. We're going to get through this uh, together. Now, I always said uh, last week, or as I usually say, uh, instead of um, saying, uh, consider this like a living room and you've come in on a family reunion, which I always say, and I made a joke about that last Sunday, I said hello to you in your living rooms. And so here are a couple of pictures that that you sent from your living rooms. Uh, here's Don and Carol Hayes' living room, and there's their dog Jordan out cold asleep during my sermon. This hurt my feelings so much that Jordan could not stay awake uh, for my sermon. Now here's a better learning posture that we have right here. Here's Mary Wallace's cat, Jerry. And now Jerry is much more attentive and into the sermon. Um, his brother Tom is not interested at this point. Uh, so please pray for uh, doubting Thomas. But here's another picture where Jerry is reaching out his hand to touch the screen as I'm praying, and to pray for me with his paw. Now here's the Mills family. They put messages on the beach to encourage people. And here's one that was our theme the previous week uh, that says, don't worry, God has got this. Uh, just like Pastor Eric uh, said, it is absolutely amazing how you have risen to the challenge and how last Sunday was almost like an Easter Sunday, and this past week has almost been like a Christmas week in terms of how many people have connected together with Jesus. It has just been, our ministry has just been multiplied because of these challenging circumstances. God is actually using something that should have hindered our ability to connect with other people. God is actually using it now to have us connect with even more people, even hundreds, maybe even thousands more people than we would normally uh, connect with here at Purpose Church. Uh, you have been so bold and flexible in uncharted territory. And it reminds me of 1803 when President Thomas Jefferson uh, commissioned Lewis and Clark, who were later uh, helped by Sacagawea, to find a water passage from the Mississippi River to the Pacific Ocean. And they finally got to the origin of the Missouri River. And what they were hoping to do is to get to the origin of the Missouri, and then they thought they'd be very close to the origin of the Columbia River, would just put their canoes in and float happily and easily to the Pacific Ocean. There's, they were so overconfident that one of the men in the expedition actually wrote this in his diary uh, the night before their big discovery. Tonight I took a big long gulp from the headwaters of the river that we've been searching for. Tomorrow morning when the fog lifts, we'll continue on our way and our canoes will get us to the Pacific Ocean before long. Well, in one of the O-Rats oh moments in history, uh, the fog lifted the next morning. And instead of there being this nice uh, waterway that they could put their canoes down into and just simply portage uh, from the origins of the Missouri River to the origins of the Columbia River and, and float down, ride down easily to the Pacific Ocean, instead of uh, when the fog lifted, there being the origins or the headwaters of the Columbia River, there were the Rocky Mountains. Now, they were trained to be watermen, but now overnight, they had to become expert mountaineers when they had been trained to be watermen. 
And that feels so much like us over the past two weeks. Uh, For 150 years, we as a church have had to learn how to do fellowship and Bible study and outreach and discipleship with a building and the ability to gather together. But now practically overnight, we've had to figure out as a church, and isn't it interesting to me, ironic, that it's on our 150th anniversary. For 150 years, we've done it a certain way. And now practically overnight, we've got to figure out how to do all those things without the ability to gather together. And I just want to say, so far, so good. So good. I think it's just fascinating that in our 150th anniversary year, we are facing one of our biggest challenges as a church. And so far, Purpose Church, you are absolutely killing it. Now today I'm going to continue our three-part series that we started last Sunday called Faith Over Fear. And the title of today's message is How to Walk Through a Dark Valley. How to Walk Through a Dark Valley. In times of crisis, I love to go back to some of those ancient passages in the Bible that have given uh, comfort to people in all kinds of circumstances uh, for the past 3,000 years. And this was written, the one we're going to look at, by a shepherd who became the king of Israel 3,000 years ago in 1000 BC, and his name was David, and the song or the psalm that he wrote is called the 23rd Psalm. Uh, Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6. And maybe where you are there uh, in your family room or in your living room or with your your small group or with your life group, maybe you're going to want to read this out loud as I read it out loud. Or if you want to sit there silently, that's fine. But if you want to join me in saying it out loud, uh, that would be great. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord uh, forever. Now back to uh, verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Uh, In Israel, there's an actual valley called the Valley of the Shadow of Death. And sometimes this is called Darkest Valley, and sometimes it's translated uh, from the Hebrew as the Valley of the Shadow of Death. And there's an actual valley by that name in Israel. It's this steep, narrow canyon where the only time the sun gets down to the bottom of the canyon is at high noon. And David, as a young boy, probably led his sheep uh, through that uh, valley when he was growing up. Now, in the Bible, the term valley also refers to a rough time in in our life, uh, like coronavirus uh, pandemic. Uh, This is a valley, and the Bible refers to hard times in our life, in the life of a nation, or the life of uh, individual followers of God uh, as being a valley. Uh, Joshua talks about the valley of uh, calamity. He refers uh, to that in Joshua 7, verse 26. Uh, Psalm 84 talks about the valley of weeping. Hosea talks about the valley of trouble. 
Uh, the word actually from the Hebrew, translated from the Hebrew, that David uses here in Psalm 23 verse 4, literally means the valley of deep darkness. Now here are five facts about valleys that we need to remember whenever we're in a dark valley like we are right now with the pandemic that's going on in our communities and across our nation and around the world. Uh, first of all, valleys are inevitable. They are inevitable. Jesus said in, in John 16, verse 33, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Maybe the, the whole reason you're watching right now or listening right now is just to hear those words from Jesus. Jesus said, you know what? I know in this world you will have trouble. But, but Jesus wants to say to you, take heart, take heart. I have overcome the world. I will overcome the coronavirus uh, pandemic. Uh, number two, the second thing about valleys is they're unpredictable. They are unpredictable. Uh, Jeremiah says in chapter four, verse 20, disaster follows disaster. The whole land lies in ruins. In an instant, my tents are destroyed. My shelter in a moment I was just talking with Pastor Eric before um, uh, getting up here to share, and we were just laughing about how could anybody imagine this going on just a couple months ago? Uh, could anybody imagine anything going on where the streets of New York City all the way to the streets of Los Angeles would be empty? We would say, what in the world could could cause that, an alien invasion, uh, some kind of uh, Armageddon event? What in the world could cause us as a church to not be able to meet and to have to be online for uh, multiple weeks like we're, we're going to be doing? What, what could, where, where did that come from? Do you ever think about that? Like, oh my goodness, just two or three months ago, we weren't even thinking about the coronavirus. And so valleys are unpredictable. They can come when you least expect them just out of the blue. And then thirdly, valleys are impartial. They, they happen to everybody. Uh, Matthew 5, verse 45. He, God, causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. They are impartial. Uh, bad times and good times can happen to anybody. But here's the good news, and, and here, here's the part I'm just so excited to share with you that I, I've just been wanting this moment to tell you this. Valleys are temporary. Just remember, valleys are temporary. Uh, they have an end to them. They don't last. They're not a, a permanent location. Uh, Max Lucado, my son-in-law, uh, Kenny, sent this quote to me from Max Lucado uh, you'll get through this. It won't be painless. It won't be quick. But God will use this mess for good. In the meantime, don't be foolish or naive, but don't despair either. With God's help, you will get through this. I just want to tell you, Purpose Church, uh, you, you will get through this. You're, you're gonna, we're going to get through this. Uh, now, uh, from the, the younger side of things, uh, one of the young adults in our church uh, sent this uh, to me, uh, Frodo and Gandalf in a conversation. Uh, I wish it need not have happened in my time, said Frodo, with all the hard things that happened in the Lord of the Rings. So do I, said Gandalf, and so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. 
All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. There are other forces at work in this world, Frodo, besides the will of evil. Now, if you're sitting in your living room and you got your family together, um, if you are younger and you don't know who Max Locato is, you can ask your parents or grandparents. Now, if you're a parent or a grandparent and you don't know who Frodo or Gandalf are, uh, then you can ask your kids or your young adults uh, or your students there in the room to explain. Uh, we've got one illustrate, one quote for the older and one quote for the younger uh, within our families. Uh, David says, even though I walk through the va darkest valley. You notice he says, through the darkest valley. You don't stay in a darkest valley. You walk through it. It's like a tunnel. There's a beginning and there's an end. You, you don't go into a tunnel to stay in a tunnel. You go into a tunnel, you go through a tunnel to come out the other side into the light once again. Uh, troubles don't come to stay, they come to pass. We pass through valleys. We pass through a tunnel, through it to come out the other side into the light once again. Uh, Peter and Paul uh, talked about how momentary these troubles are. Now, if I were to say these next couple of things that I want to share from them, you could be angry with me because you would say, Pastor Glenn, you haven't suffered enough in order to uh, be able to say these things that would be annoying to you. But I want to tell you that Peter and Paul suffered as much as anybody has ever suffered. Uh, they both were executed for their faith. They both were imprisoned. Uh, they both were beaten. They had very, very difficult lives. So it, it lends credibility to them when they say these kind of things. Uh, Peter writes in 1 Peter 1 verse 6, in all this you greatly rejoice Though now for a little while, okay, this valley is temporary. It's just for a little while. This coronavirus pandemic, we're, we're going to get through it. it. It seems long now, but in this perspective of eternity, though now for just a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And then Paul writes the same thing uh, to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 17, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so valleys are temporary. We will get through this. We will go through the dark valley and we're going to come out the other side. And then number five, valleys are purposeful. They have a purpose uh, behind them that God can use in our lives. Back to 1 Peter 1 verse 6 again and then I'm going to add another verse to it. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. And here's the purpose part of it behind it. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Rick Warren writes, Every problem has a purpose, and faith is built in the valleys of life. Faith is built in the valleys of life. Now, God is a good God, and he cannot cause evil. He cannot do evil. Uh, as I said last Sunday, there was no coronavirus in the Garden of Eden. But can he use coronavirus once it, it's happened within this imperfect world he didn't make it he didn't create it he can't do evil he can't cause evil 
but can he use things like the coronavirus once it's already a reality within our fallen and imperfect world? Uh, absolutely. Uh, he didn't make it, but he can use this time in our lives for his ultimate purposes. And here's one of the things that I believe God is up to, and you, you probably have your theories, and in your life, it's probably different for each one of us, but here's one of the things I think God is up to through this uh, period of time with the coronavirus. Uh, Psalm 46, verse 10, God says, be still and know that I am God. I believe that God is slowing me down so that I can get to know him better. He's quieting things down. He's slowing things down through this pandemic so that we can hear his gentle, quiet whisper say, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Uh, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Hear him say, be still and know that I'm God. I'm with you. I can be your fortress during this time. There are so many things that we get so busy that we put off, and maybe God is slowing us down so that we'll have a chance to get to those things. I read this on uh, the CNN website the other day, and I, I got such a kick out of it because I could totally identify with this guy. A driver in Louisiana was pull, pulled over uh, in his car by a, a police officer driver in Louisiana, he's pulled over with, catch this, an expired 1997 license plate tag. He's pulled over last week with an expired 1997 license plate tag. And the officer asked him why he hadn't taken care of it. He said he had, catch this, he had been busy. <laughs> he had been too busy for 23 years to get his license renewed. And I had to laugh because I have to admit, I've been too busy for 23 years. There's, there's things that I've put off for 23 years. And some of those things are not the end of the world. I mean, this guy, I'm sure he just got fined for it, but it didn't end his life. I mean, nothing tragic happened because of that. And there are certain things we've just too, been too busy to do that, that aren't all that big of a deal. But let me ask you a question. Have you been too busy for 23 years to think about eternity? Have you been too busy to think about the fact that when this life, which is flying by so fast, is over, then there's eternity, eternal destination in heaven or in hell? Have, have, have you paused enough to think about that? Or have we just been too busy? And maybe God is using this time in the life of our nation, our, our community, and in my life, in your life, among our family and friends to just slow us down enough to hear God's voice say, be still and know that I am God. I'm here. I want to be the fortress in your life. Now, what do you do when you go through a dark valley. First of all, you refuse to be discouraged. He says, I will fear no evil. Now, how do I do that? By focusing on God's power rather than on the problem of the coronavirus. 
rather than just uh, obsessing too much with the coronavirus, and don't get me wrong, I, I read up on it all the time, we should do that, but rather than obsessing on it, to spending an equal or greater time focusing on God's power. Colossians 1 verse 11, Paul writes, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. One of my favorite words to describe the people of Purpose Church and, uh, and our one-of-a-kind 150-year run really is historic. It's a one-of-a-kind, maybe in American, maybe even in world church history. What God has done here over the last 150 years is possibly a one-of-a-kind uh, era of, of ministry. And so one of my favorite words to describe the people of Purpose Church today and down through history is the word grit. The word grit. Psychologist Angela Duckworth uh, was assigned by the U.S. Military Academy at West Point to study, uh, to see what the difference was between freshmen that started at West Point and didn't graduate and those who graduated. What, what was the it factor that determined whether they started at West Point and then went on to finish at West Point? Because the government has a great deal invested in those students and they want to find out who's going to finish this because we waste our money if they're not able to finish. And they discovered it was not a matter of intelligence. When she went through her research as a, a researcher, as a psychologist, uh, studying these things, it was not how intelligent the, the students, the men and women that started at West Point were. It was not athletic ability. It was this one thing, the it factor, was this word that she coined grit. And grit is the ability to persevere under difficult circumstances. That's what God is calling us to during this time of the coronavirus. He is calling on us to have grit, to persevere under difficult circumstances. Angela Duckworth writes, everybody knows that effort matters. What was revelatory to me was how much it mattered. Uh, she goes on to say there's something about taking the path of least resistance that makes a lot of sense but at the same time, we have to figure out which things in life are worth struggling through. Grittier students are more likely to earn their diplomas. Grittier teachers are more effective in the classroom. Grittier soldiers are more likely to complete their training. And grittier salespeople are more likely to keep their jobs. The more challenging the domain, the more grit seems to matter. And then she finishes up by saying, grit is living life like it's a marathon and not a sprint. And that describes Purpose Church. We are a church of marathoners. We may not be the flashiest or, 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 or the coolest church around, but we are a church of marathoners uh, to hang in there uh, during tough times. And I encourage us to continue to do the same thing. Refuse to be discouraged. And then remember that God is with me. Remember that God is with me. David says, for you are with me. Um, notice how the 23rd Psalm, if you, if you read it, you'll see it switches pronouns in the middle um, uh, in verse 4. It's a six verses. And right in the middle in verse 4 for the second half, it switches pronouns from he to you. At the beginning, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down. He leads me. He refreshes. He guides. Then, then right in the middle, there's a subtle switch to you are with me. 
Your rod and staff comfort me. You prepare a table. You anoint my head with oil. You see, you get to know God in the middle of the valley. When you go through a valley, you start by saying, he, God, did this or that. But then as you get to know him during the hard times, it's during tough times like this, that we get to know God better and we start talking to him like a friendship, like a personal relationship. And we say, God, you do this rather than an, an, a, a he, he becomes a you. Uh, in Matthew chapter 8, we see how Jesus encountered the coronavirus of his day, which was actually a way scarier disease. The coronavirus of Jesus' day um, uh, was leprosy. And as a matter of fact, the way they did social distancing back then was that the person who had been infected was required to shout, unclean, unclean, uh, wherever he or she went. Can you imagine if you got tested positively for the coronavirus, that you had to shout unclean wherever you went, walking down the street, wherever you were, you had to shout unclean. Well, that was the circumstances with leprosy in Jesus' time. And it says, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. This may have been the first time he had been touched in years. But Jesus wanted him to know that even in the middle of this, of this disease that he had caught from someone else and he was in danger of, of passing it on to somebody else, he wanted him to know that he was there. He touched the man. And Jesus wants to touch you, to touch your heart. He wants you to touch you today and say, I want you to know I'm here with you in the midst of this pandemic. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Isaiah wrote in 700 BC, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Uh, Psalm 34, verse 8, David writes, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Are, are you brokenhearted? Are you getting worn out? Uh, are you afraid? Uh, have you, are you in danger of losing your job? Do you have some financial difficulties now? Uh, are there other stressors within your family because of this virus? The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Remember last week when I said that sometimes it's the second or the third bit of trouble, that that's the one that really breaks your spirit? Sometimes you can handle on your own the first wave of trouble, but then the second wave, the third wave, that's when you begin to get broken down. Well, maybe uh, the way I want to share it this week is maybe it's the same trouble, but it's the second or third week of that trouble uh, that's going to be hard, and that's uh, applying it to the coronavirus. Was it kind of fun to have the whole family together uh, when we first had to kind of be somewhat on quarantine and, and lockdown in our homes and that kind of thing? Was that kind of fun for the first few hours? The first couple of days, and now it's getting harder and harder as we are cooped up together over time. And maybe this is causing you to be brokenhearted. Maybe it is crushing your spirit. Just remember, God 
is close. Remember that God is with me. And then rely on God's protection and guidance. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod was a two-foot-long stick with a heavy knot at the end of it that the good shepherd would fight for you with that rod. He could throw it like a missile and hit a, a bear or a lion or a coyote or a wolf that would come after the flock. The staff was a long stick with a crook at the end of it. So the good shepherd could use that to uh, pull the sheep closer to himself to, to comfort them and, 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 and to guide the sheep in the direction they should go. And so our good shepherd is doing the same for us during this valley that we're going through. Think back to other times when God has protected you in the past and use that as a, an encouragement that he will do the same through this valley as well. That's what David did. Uh, David, when he was going to face Goliath, uh, David said to Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 17, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the, the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and I killed it. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion. Just think back to other times in your past when God has come through for you. Just think back like David did. He says, well, there was that time when he rescued me from the paw of the lion. And the paw of the bear, you remember that time? That same God is here and will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. So remember those, those times when he's come through in the past and take courage that he will do the same in this valley that we go through as well. And then realize that there are three things to remember about shadows. Uh, the darkest valley, I, I said earlier, you could translate that from the he Hebrew as the valley of the shadow, the valley of the shadow of death. Remember these three things. Number one, shadows are always bigger than the reality. They're always bigger than the reality of it. The, the fear, the, the thing we're afraid of is always bigger than the actual thing itself. Number two, shadows cannot hurt you. You've never been hurt by being run over by the shadow of a truck or when a plane flies over and the shadow of that plane uh, hits you. Uh, you've never been hurt by that. Shadows can't hurt you. And number three, there is no shadow without a light somewhere. When you're afraid, don't look at the shadow. Turn in the opposite direction and look at the light and the shadow will fall behind you. And that light to look at, rather than uh, obsessing on the coronavirus and, 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 and growing in fear as we do that, let's turn our back on it, let's look to the light, and then the shadows will be behind us rather than in front of us. And who is that light? Jesus spoke again to the people. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, you see that follows the light, the shadows will be behind us, will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Uh, Psalm 34 verse 19, the righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. And then Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now I want to just camp here as we finish up our time together. 
uh, one of the favorite verses a lot of times people know in American culture is, oh yeah, all things work together for good. No, they don't. Not everything works together for good. There's, there's a, a promise that all things work together for good, but then there's a condition to that promise. For those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. It only works together for good. Going through the valley, you only get to the end of the valley. It only works out together for good when you love God and you've opened up your heart and received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and so you've been called according to his purpose is now on your life. So I want to give you two prayers here as we close our time. The first prayer is if you've never opened up your heart to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you to pray a prayer of three words or three phrases. They're the ones your mother taught you. Uh, She taught you to say, please, thank you, and sorry. I'm going to give them to you in a different order. First of all, sorry. God, I'm sorry for the wrong that I've done in my life. Lord, I'm sorry that I haven't loved people like I should love them and, 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 and I haven't uh, done things as you would see me to think, things I have thought about I shouldn't have thought about or done or, or said that I shouldn't have said. I'm sorry. And then thank you, thank you for Jesus dying on the cross instead of me. He died and took my place instead of me. Thank you for doing that. And then please come into my heart, come into my life and forgive me for my wrong doing. Please be my savior. And please, would you be my good shepherd? Would you lead me through the valleys and the mountaintops of life from this time forward? Would you pray silently as I uh, pray out loud? Or if you want to pray out loud, wherever you are, if you want to pray out loud, if you want to pray silently, pray with me uh, something along these lines. Oh, Oh Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I have Uh, not lived the way that I should live, that I've sinned, that I've done wrong in my life. Uh, I'm sorry. But Lord, thank you for Jesus and his death on the cross for me. Thank you that the good shepherd died on the cross so that I wouldn't have to die for my wrongdoing. And now please come into my heart and forgive me. And please be my good shepherd leading me through this valley that we're in right now, uh, through the rest of my life, all the way to heaven. And then one final prayer is if you've committed your life to Christ, but right now you're just feeling so much stress uh, during this time of, of the coronavirus pandemic. Right now, just talk to the Lord and say, Lord Jesus, my shepherd, Uh, the one who loves me, who leads me to uh, streams of living water. Lord, right now, the thing I'm feeling most stressed about, and I I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it has to do with work or or finances or something in your family or just getting the virus itself. Maybe Obviously, that could be the biggest stressor, that what if I get it? What if somebody in my family gets it? And right now, Lord, I take this thing that I'm so worried about, I'm so stressed about, and now I'm getting quiet enough to hear you say, be still and know that I am God. And I take this thing that I'm stressed about and I place it in your hands under your control right now. 
thank you for being my good shepherd that leads me through the dark valleys of the shadows of death. Thank you so, so much. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's family said, amen.